Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you're, wherever you're listening to the Grace Apologetics Podcast. My name is Victor Mlinga, and I've not been here for a while, so it is great that I get to educate the masses. Now today, we are going to talk about a subject that has been plaguing young boys, more specifically than young girls. Maybe they do. Maybe it does plague young girls, but I don't think it is as much as it plagues young boys. Because for a girl, her sexual desire is not her primary mode. Her love and affection and emotional center is more put forward than it is her sexual desire. You know, like um, to the point where. I'm saying to the point where don't 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 attack me and say that it what I'm about to say is justified, but to the point where um most ladies will um would forgive a cheating husband than a man would forgive a cheating wife because for the most part it is easier to get a guy in bed than it is to get a girl in bed, and if you get a girl in bed, chances are that she has left you emotionally or she has moved her, uh, my goodness i lost my train of thought but it means that she has moved, she has lost you emotionally and chances are you're not going to get back there if a woman decide, women rarely cheat and if they actually decide to cheat it's because you have lost their heart <laughs> you know the one thing that surprises me that surprised me when i got into a relationship was how my girlfriend maybe she was maybe she's lying i do not know but how she always says that she is not attracted to anyone anymore that could be true that could be a lie i choose to believe it's the truth because i don't think she has a reason to lie but she told me that number one the thing that changed about her was that she her attraction level became focused and number two, she said, when a woman is in love, when a lady is in love, that's the only time she can imagine having sex with a man. Whereas for me, my attraction is still all over the place. And so it always puts, sometimes it puts her in a weird place, sometimes it puts me in a weird place. But in honesty, if I were to watch porn or do any of or do something sexual, it does not mean that I no longer love my partner as a man. And it's not justifying cheating or anything because cheating is wrong at the end of the day. But as a man, it's kind of hard to keep things, to keep it in our pants. And that's why, and that's one characteristic that ladies actually look for in men is that they are not going to be with a man that is going to sleep around. They want a man that has mastered his desires or is on the way of mastering his desires or wants to master his desires and confides in her. A good lady does understand a man's sexual struggles. A good lady stands behind her man with his sexual struggles, understanding 
that um, it may not be that he no longer finds her attractive, but he is just weak in that area. And she understands that and she tries to be with him. A woman watches porn for curiosity. A man watches porn because his primary function is to ejaculate and to produce offspring. That is why if you go for if you go months without masturbating, watching porn or anything in that sense, chances are you're going to do it on the bed. You 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 you, you always think that at a certain age that what are known as wet dreams or um neutrical emission. I hope I got that right. I didn't get that right. No, nocturnal emission. I was thinking of animals, nocturnal animals. Nocturnal emission stops at a certain age. It doesn't. Your sperm's supposed to get out at some point. Which segues into what we're going to talk about today. And it is on masturbation. Now you can have your own theories about, and I always say this, and I want to say this before we get into, um, before we get into, before we get into the topic, because for the most part, each time that we enter a topic, each time that we enter a teaching, for some reason, we want to enter teachings with our presuppositions. The one thing that I really hate, or the one thing that irritates me the most is when somebody says, doesn't the Bible say this? When in fact, the Bible does not say that, but church tradition has taught them that that's what the Bible says. And I know it's very easy to fall into that trap. I spent a lifetime wanting to speak in tongues until I realized that the tongues that are spoken of in my church or in my former church and the tongues that are in the Bible are not real. Because you go like, well, it talks about tongues of angels. Okay, that's cool. But if you read 1 Corinthians 13, it's safe to say that Paul was being hyperbolic because there is no way that he could speak. There was no way that he could give his, he could give, he could give everything away and give his body to persecution. And there was no way. Like, think about it. Read that entire chapter and think about what Paul is trying to say, he's going to the most extreme case to explain what love is. And it's not in the actions that you do, but in the state of your heart. That is where, that is what love is. And so I was taught it's tongues of angels. It's praying in the Holy Ghost. That's not, it's not praying in the Holy Ghost because what we're taught in Romans is that we do not know what to pray for. And it's the Holy Spirit that helps us pray. And people go like, what about the mornings that cannot be uttered? It's, have you ever been so stressed that you can't speak? Have you ever cried so much that you cannot utter a word? It's not about glossolalia, which is mumblings. It's not about that. It's about what the Bible actually says. If you say, but the Bible says this, you, as the person that has brought it up, should defend your position and give a Bible verse that says what indeed you are asking about the Bible. I always get irritated when somebody says, but doesn't the Bible say, 
A, B, C, D. And my response to that is where in the Bible is that written? Because if you're going to... Here's another one. Um, people say that the, that God's voice is a still, small voice. That's a lie. That happened once in the Bible. And Elijah was there, and then there was a fire, but God was not in the fire. And then there was a whirlwind, and God was not in the whirlwind, and so on and so forth. And But he was in the still, small voice. And people take that, and when they are praying, they put all their concentration into trying to hear that still, small voice and be like, Ugh. and sometimes that still, small voice be like, do you want pizza? And you're like, oh, God wants me to have pizza. That's not true. The thing is, is that, yes, God can speak to you in a still, small voice, but that's not how God operates because God will answer you in, in a variety of ways so that you're not dependent on one particular way. In this sense, sometimes he will, sometimes there's just something in your spirit that will, I do agree with that, I do agree with feelings sometimes is that they can be just. But be careful with those feelings because feelings can easily be manipulated. Jeremiah says the heart is deceitful, who can understand it? But sometimes you just get a gut feel. Sometimes it's, it, it even gets uncomfortable that you don't that you can't even do anything afterwards. <laughs> that you, you just need to do that thing. Other times you get that gut feeling, you ignore it, then something happens. That could be God. Another way to look at it is reading the Bible. Obviously, that is the word of God. Whatever God has to say and had to say and will have to say is in the Bible. The thing is, is that you don't follow a story word for word. For instance, Zechariah and Mary received the same news. Zechariah and Mary both doubted that they are going to have children. The angel Gabriel made Zechariah dumb and, made, and explained things to Mary. Why? Because those were two different scenarios and two different people who grew up in two different ways. Zachariah should have known what God could do because he was a priest and allegedly priests should be studying the word. My people perish because of lack of knowledge. Because they have rejected knowledge, I have rejected them as my priests. Zachariah needed the knowledge to be a priest. And I know that's not the direct interpretation of that particular verse. There's a there's there's a lot of context behind that. But think of just think of it. His people, God's people, perish because of lack of knowledge. But the thing is, is that they reject the knowledge that God has offered for them. And I love verses like that, which are self-explanatory. They might be explaining something else, but they're just self-explanatory. You reject knowledge. You don't study to show yourself approved. You, you are not able to teach soundly. He'll reject you as his priest because what is the point? Because what is the point in having you if you're not able to represent God in the best way? And that's, that's against the third commandment. So rather, that is... What the third commandment is talking about is that do not take up the name of your, the Lord your God in vain. Nothing to do with cursing. It has everything to do with ambassadorship because God takes his name seriously. And if you're going to say that you are a Christian, you, okay, not a Christian because 
we stumble and fall and all this stuff. But if you're going to take up a role in church, if you're going to be, if you're going to stand out and be like, I am a Christian, there is a lot of consequences that come if you mess up. James says, not everyone should desire a teacher. Back to my point. God could speak to us using the Bible. The way God speaks to me sometimes is that I'm, I pray for something and I go somewhere. Like, like, after days weeks months or years i go somewhere and like and like um in a restaurant or like or like just doing a, a mundane activity that you didn't think much about and then i'd hear a conversation and i'd be like that's what i was asking god about that's okay like you know like it's he starts to connect the dots here in Zambia, we practice Slovola, which is dowry, which is a bright price. And I asked myself, why should people, why should, I was speaking with a friend, like, don't you think that's like human trafficking, like paying the bright price and all that stuff? And within myself, this goes to the first point, not the third point that I make it, but within myself, I heard Christ paid for his bride. Who are you not to? <laughs> that was heavy. That was heavy. I did not expect, I did not expect that. And I know that was not my own, that was not my own thought because I was so against it. But then the Holy Spirit brought to remembrance, not a teaching, but a general principle that the Bible teaches. And that ties into the second point is the principle matters more than the story. The story sometimes is not for you. The explanation is not for you. The, more often than not, it's not. It's for the culture of the time that was written in the Bible. But the principle still stands behind the story. The principle still stands behind the explanation that either Paul, Peter, Matthew, or whoever give. Third thing is, is, is God answering your prayers or, or whatever through a third party, a person. Sometimes people say things that you don't, you don't, you didn't really ask for, but they just say things like, oh, and then you're just like, oh, yes, that's actually what I was praying to God for, or something like that. Other times you actually actively seek the counsel where you're like, um, I've been struggling with this, blah, 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 blah. And they go like, oh, um, and then they, they explain what you did not know about the Bible. And in all these things, one in the first instance, he's asking you to be reliant on his spirit. In the second instance, he is asking you to be reliant on his word. In the third instance, because we are naturally social beings, he doesn't want you to isolate yourself and he wants you to get counsel from outside of yourself. Because if, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us, in as much as we have the Holy Spirit within us, sometimes we we start to idolize ourselves because we might feel we might have the right answers all the time. When that's not true, the Holy Spirit that is in you is made subject to you. The Bible says that he brings to remembrance what you have been taught. He doesn't teach you new things. <laughs> he brings to remembrance what has already been taught. So if there is no lesson, there is no remembrance that will that will be brought and when it comes to a new lesson he helps you understand as he is the helper the paracletus 
Other times, God may speak to you based off of the gifts that you have. Spiritual gifts, natural gifts, what have you. Everything that God has given you is to the glory of your name. And that's why you are different. I always find it weird when people compare themselves to other people. Here's the thing is that I'm an advert Chuck Missler follower. In the sense that I love his teachings. They've been a big blessing to my life. But in honesty, I am not going to do the work that Chuck Missler did in his life. God rest his soul. Of all the people that I follow, I, of all the people that I follow, I know I'm not going to walk a mile in their shoes. So why should I, why should I um, be them? It never, it never makes sense to me when, when, when believers go, um, I have a cousin who prayed this and she received this. I prayed the same prayer and I did not receive it. That's not how God works. God created you differently. If you are a toe, be a toe. Don't be a finger. If you are an eye, be an eye. And don't be a mouth. Because your diversity, the thing that makes you, you, is needed in the church. I always say this, is that I would have loved to be in the praise team. I wish I could sing. However, I believe God knew that I would not use my singing gift for good. I'd, I'd be using it for girls. And that's just a fact of life. And there are singers who use their, their, their talent for girls. Um, my mind is my biggest asset. As a man, sometimes I feel um, insig- insuff- insufficient because I'm not the handiest man out there. I'm not very good with tools. And I'm man enough to to, to what's this. I'm man enough to... To say that I'm not the money, I'm not I'm not the manliest man out there. My strength as a man comes from my mind, not from my hands. But I do try, and I'm competent in certain things. Because I try not to put any limitations on what I can do. Because everybody can do anything at the end of the day, within reason, of course. But I know what my strengths are and I'm not going to wish that I was that person because he can handle tools. He can handle tools, but can he explain the word of God? And I don't say that to brag. Within the church, we have been given different gifts. And if you're going to constantly compare yourself to somebody else, then you should not be a Christian because God created you uniquely. Yes, there's, there are general principles that we ought we all should follow. But in honesty, but in honesty, you, and this is not me promoting self-elevation or any of that um, self-help garbage, but if you think about it clearly, you are a different person. The way God may answer a prayer for somebody will not be the same as the way God will answer a prayer for you. The same way that God, because like some people are just naturally not good at speaking publicly. Some people are. Some people are not good at confessing. Other people are. If you're going to say that I can't do that because even sometimes we may not even understand what the Bible, we may not even understand fully what the Bible is explaining. Um, for, for the most part, people go like, 
The Bible says that you need to share your burdens with each other. We need to confess our sins to each other. Yes. But the Bible says, says that you should guard your heart. You share your burdens with somebody you're comfortable with. You want to say the Bible says, well, we should be sharing. It's not true. You want to say that we should be confessing our sins. Yes, you should be confessing your sins, but know who you're confessing to. Confess to somebody you who you're comfortable with and who is competent enough with the Bible. Some people are not. Some people you're not comfortable with. And that's okay. That's okay. If you think that they're going to perceive that you're a sinner, speak to somebody who is more down to your level. That's the reason why we have we have pastors at the top, we have we have deacons, we have elders, we have we have all these ranks. We have our parents, we have our destiny helpers, as I was told. For this for that sake, that you're not you're not alone. There's a reason why we have a community of believers, and that's for the sake of you not being alone. Is that if you feel uncomfortable sharing to your pastor. Find somebody who you feel is at who is at your level. But because sometimes we come from church systems that impose their religious, their traditions on us, we think that that should always be the way. No, it's never it's never the way. If anything, the Bible doesn't call for grand congregations. The Bible calls for very intimate Bible studies. When Paul, I think, says, confess your sins one to another. Was it Paul? It must be Paul. I'm so sorry if it's not Paul. But if Paul said, confess your sins to one to another, he was speaking to a very intimate group. And here's the thing is that with the large congregations that we have, it's very hard to have, it's very hard to have an intimate group because the pastor himself does not see everyone. He knows his elders and he knows a select few people in the church, but he does not know everyone. So are you going to say that um, I need to, I, if you feel uncomfortable, it's because you know that it's not intimate. And this is why on a personal note, I prefer a very intimate Bible study to a church service because church services are just not, are just too big for me. I'd rather speak to um, 20 people that I can identify easily and who can come to me and explain their struggles and who and who I can have fellowship with and who I can call by name than be an, in a big church setting. The, honestly, the Bible says we should be accountable. We should be accountable, yes. And I'm not going to deny that. But in that accountability, sometimes it's hard to admit your flaws and your mistakes because sometimes you perceive perfection in other people and you and you perceive imperfection in yourself and i've seen this all throughout my tenure as a christian teacher because some people some people go like i said well, bull crap this one time and somebody was like whoa victor language you're supposed to be the holy one and i was like oh and I, I said it, I, I, I thought I was in a safe space. But because I was the holy one, 
because I was the holy one and they felt inferior to me, they didn't find comfortability in telling me things. They would rather be with somebody who is as holy as I am, but just a little bit dirty, whatever that means, to share their, to share their flaws. Now let's go to the topic. What does the Bible actually say about masturbation? Simple. The Bible says nothing about masturbation. And don't let anybody lie to you or cheat you. That's Zambian English right there. There is no verse in the Bible that says thou shalt not masturbate. There is no verse in the Bible that says thou shalt not pleasure yourself. There is no verse in the Bible that says thou shalt not abuse yourself. Here's the thing. Let's open our Bibles to Leviticus. In Leviticus 19, we have sexual for we have sexual for <laughs> we have forbidden sexual practices. I wanted to use the, the silly voice. It it didn't work. It did not work. We have forbidden sexual practices. Where should I start? Okay. Um, it should start. It's, it's, it might be the entire chapter. I did not realize this. Okay. We'll start from verse 6. And the soul that turneth away after as have familiar spirits and after wizards to go whoring after them, I will even set my face against that soul and I will cut him off from among his people. Sanctify yourselves therefore and be ye holy for I the Lord for I am the Lord your God and ye shall keep my statutes and do them. I am the Lord which sanctifies you for everyone that curses his father or his mother shall be put to death. He hath cursed his father or his mother. His blood shall be upon him. The man that committeth adultery with another man's wife, even that committeth adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress shall be put to death. Sorry about that. First forbidden practice. He that commits adultery, or they that commit adultery. As it says, the adulterer and the adulteress shall be put to death. What is adultery? This is sleeping with sleeping with another man's wife and a woman who sleeps with another woman's husband but that was clear but just to clarify things so first first forbidden practice is thou shalt not commit adultery or you die in the old covenant now we just divorce because we give you a second chance to receive jesus as the lord of your life hallelujah and a man that lieth with his father's wife, and covereth his father's nakedness, both of them shall be put unto death. Their blood shall be upon, and their blood shall be upon them. Second category is a man who sleeps with his father's wife, or mother, or stepmother. Reuben was cursed by Jacob. Because he slept with his father's concubine. Some people, I don't believe this, but it's just worth putting out there. Some people believe that the mistake that Zichay Moham made was that he slept with his father's wife because they see 
they see father's nakedness and put two and two together and try to make an interpretation that's disgusting i do not i don't agree with it but i just thought that it should be put out there a man that lies with his daughter-in-law both of them shall be put to death they have wrought confusion their blood shall be upon them so category number three of of sexual acts that you do not do is if you're a man and you sleep with your daughter-in-law or if you're a girl and you sleep with your father-in-law that is not acceptable you have brought confusion in the eyes of god because you have slept with your son's wife you have slept with your son's wife and so with god that's not acceptable you have brought confusion <laughs> i like that for for thou has brought confusion has wrought confusion if a man lies with a man with mankind as he lies with a woman both of them have committed an abortion abomination is an abortion <gasps> let me read that again if a man also lies with mankind as he lies with a woman both of them have committed an abomination and they shall be put to death and their blood put upon them fourth category is homosexuality here it talks about men on men Romans 1.20 talks about women on women. And it says it's an abomination. <laughs> it's interestingly the only sex act here that seems to be that seems to be an abomination. And I'm not here we'll explain I hopefully I'll explain these things in later episodes, but this is sex 101 and it's for those who it's for those who actually want to learn about sex. I started it with the last episode and I'm continuing it with this episode. And the title is from a Jason song called Sex 101. It's 101. I can't sing, but hey, that song is catchy, <laughs> but it's not a very clean song. It's not a Christian. It's not for a Christian. If a man also lays with, oh, sorry. And if a man take a wife, and her mother, it is wickedness. They shall be ish, they shall be burnt with fire, both he and they, that there be no wickedness among you. So this is category number five, which uh, which says that you should not sleep with your mother in law. You'll be burnt. If a man lays with a beast, he shall be put to death, and ye shall slay the beast. Category number six is bestiality. Somebody didn't tell Kurt Angle who wanted to have bestiality sex with Bukati's wife. <laughs> I tell you, wrestling is a very silly sport. If a woman approaches unto any beast and lies down there to... Thou shalt kill the woman and the beast, and they shall surely be put to death, and their blood upon shall and their blood shall be upon them. Now this is funny because I had a very crazy Ari teacher, and each time he'd be like, in Europe and in America, I'm from Africa, in Europe and in America, that these women who go to dogs and then they make dogs feel sex and then they sleep with sex, and he said the f word like he's teaching and he's saying the f word, and he goes and then and then he just explains and he explains and he explains and he goes like. And you're just there. We are supposed to be like learning about the birth of Jesus. Him is talking about bestiality, sex, how women are just having sex with, with beasts. And 
you know, like like they get a horse and apparently a horse penis is really big. <laughs> Don't Google that. Don't be disgusting. But yeah, and so and so he's just laying it on on women and then um here in Zambia there was this man who was sleepy who was having sex with chickens, like he would put his thing in dish. I can't even explain it. It's very disgusting to think about. But yes, yeah, so we're still on bestiality. It was explaining the man, now it's explaining the woman. If any man take his sister, his father's daughter, or his mother's daughter, and sees her nakedness, and she sees his nakedness, it is a wicked thing, and they shall be cut off. They shall be cut off of their of the people and uncover his sister's nakedness, and he shall bear his iniquity. The incest. We're still on incest. Most of these are incestual relationships. And if a man shall lie with a woman having her sickness, and she uncovers her nakedness, and he shall have discovered her fountain, and she hath uncovered the fountain of her blood, and both of them shall be cut off from among the people. This is period sex. And it's not as severe as as the other ones. It just says that they shall they shall be cut off those they shall this is period sex and it has it's more to do with um cleanliness than it is impurity. Okay, it is impurity, but it has something it has more to do with cleanliness. Like don't have sex while a woman is on her period. Some people force their women to some people force their women to to, to, to some people actually sleep with their women while they're having their period. I feel that's the most uncomfortable time of the year to have um period to have sex because she's in a very uncomfortable state and in all honesty, why would you want to put more pressure on her just because you need to have your sexual desires? Isn't what appeared like what a week for a week or so long, like from the time she has her crumbs stuck to the actual time that blood comes out? I do not know. I'm a man. I've never experienced these things. So, but the Bible says, don't have a woman or don't sleep with a woman or she is on her period, please. And thou shalt not uncover the nakedness of thy mother's sister or thy father's sister for he that uncovered he that uncovers his near kin kin he shall bear their he shall bear their their iniquity so that's your auntie don't have sex with your auntie if a man shall lay with his wife if it, if a man shall lay with his uncle's wife still auntie he hath uncovered his uncle's nakedness thou shalt not bear the sin and if a man shall take his brother's wife it is an unclean thing and he shall uncover his brother's nakedness, and they shall be childless. Ye therefore keep the statutes. And so here, God has given at least, I think I counted 10. I think I counted 10. It talks about um, your father's wife, be it your mother or your stepmother. Don't have sex with your father or your stepmother. The Bible says, secondly, the Bible says, secondly, oops, I lost it. The, the Bible says, secondly, do not have sex with your daughter-in-law. The Bible says, thirdly, do not have any homosexual relationship. The Bible says, fourthly, do not have sex with your mother-in-law. The Bible says, fifthly, not to have sex with animals. The Bible says, sixthly, do not have sex with your sister. If it's your father's daughter or your mother's daughter, half-sister or um, half-sister, or just don't have sex with, don't have sex with your sister. Could even be stepsister. Because 
your parent adopts that child as their child. So it can it can also apply in that sense. The Bible says do not sleep with a woman while she's on her period. It says do not sleep with your auntie. And it says do not sleep with your sister-in-law. It gives all these parameters of who you should of, of it gives all these restrictions about sex, but it does not tell you not to masturbate. Just think about that. It has all these parameters saying do not do this, don't do, don't, don't, no, don't, 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 but does not talk about masturbation. Someone in the back be like, it also doesn't talk about porn. We'll come to that. And a very common argument that Christians give when they say you should not masturbate is it causes you to last. But I always ask, okay, so we've moved on from the restrictions. Now let's talk about last. Is lasting really bad? That's a question I'm going to pose because very few people understand what lasting is. First of all, Jesus gives us an explanation saying that lasting is wanting to sleep with somebody. Having a desire to look at a woman and to undress her with your eyes. Understand the difference between lasting and sexuality. Sexuality is you finding somebody attractive. Lasting is you going to the extent of actually wanting to sleep with her because yes i find ladies attractive all the time but what i do with the attraction that i feel towards ladies will determine whether i'm just being a man or i'm actually lasting and being sinful and being sinful okay so let us go to Deuteronomy chapter third, chapter 22. Let us go to Deuteronomy chapter 22. So that we understand what lasts are actually acceptable and what lasts are not acceptable. Because we all generalize last. We like, we don't want to last. We don't watch porn. Porn causes us to last. Don't masturbate. Masturbation causes you to last. Like, okay, that's cool. But do you know that there is certain lusts. There are there are certain lusts that are acceptable in the sight of God. And be like, no, like yes. That's NK. That's is that K? Is that King James? I prefer the King James version. Like he's a King James only list. I'm like yes, I am. I'm out King James only list. I don't mind if you use any other Bible version. On my part, I'm just comfortable with the King James Bible. And that's a whole teaching for another time. I'm weary of the influence that Westcott and Hort have on the Bible, especially on the newer versions. Some people will say that, well, the King James is based off of newer manuscripts, and so we prefer using the more modern translations because they're used, because they um deal with older translations. And if that's your claim to why you're not a King James on list, that's okay. Um, it shouldn't be a big deal as long as you get the word of God and as long as you're receiving the word of God. So um, 
let's open our Bibles to Deuteronomy 22 and we see how God views lust. And if we understand God's perspective on things, then we understand, then we should understand how we should have our perspective on things. So Deuteronomy 22, let's start from verse, let's start from verse 12. I always love starting from, I don't like starting from the verse that I'm actually reading from. I want, I want to segue into it. So thou shalt make thee frings upon the four quarters of the visage, wherewith you coverest thyself. If a man take a wife and go into her and hate her, and gives occasion of speech against her, and brings up e brings up an evil name upon her, and says, I took this woman, and I came to her, and I found not a maid. Then shall her father, then shall the father of the damsel, and her mother take and bring forth the token of the damsel's virginity unto the elders of the city of the gate, and the damsel's father shall say unto the elders, I gave my daughter unto this man, and he hateth her. And lo, if he hath occasion of speech against her, saying, I found not I found not a maid, and yet these tokens of my virginity, and they shall spread the cloth before the elders in the city. And the elders of the city shall take the man and chast and chast chastise him. And they shall immerse him in a hundred shackles of silver, and they shall and they shall give the father they shall give the father of the damsel because he hath brought an evil name upon the virgin of Israel and shall and shall be his wife and he may not put her away all his days but if it if this is not if this is if this thing be true of the virginity not be found then they shall bring the damsel to the to the doors of her father's house and the man of, and the men of the city of her city of her city shall stone her with stones, and she shall die because she has wrought folly in Israel. Okay, so if you're a girl, the first lust that God doesn't want you to have is you lusting or you sleeping with another man. It's you sleeping with a man who you're not married to. That's bad lust. You don't lust after a man you're not married to. Obviously. Now I put this in the sense that this is the action of lust but Jesus says that if it happens in the mind it's as good as the action itself and so then in them in your mind you see somebody on tv and you're like oh I don't know what girls say I was once in in a room full of girls and they were looking at handsome guys and I was and I felt so uncomfortable because like like his eatable or something like that and I was like what <laughs> who uses that language I don't know maybe people do use that language and so then um, right there. The moment you say, "Oh, it's eatable," oh, I want him, or like you become obsessive. People have obsessive obsession, and they even have shrines towards people that they do not know or that they have just seen once. If you, in fact, our whole, the whole TikTok culture is based off of lust. So, if you want to sleep with a guy that is not your husband, you have committed the sin of lust. Okay. If a man be found lying with a woman married to a husband, then they shall both then they shall both then then shall both of them die, both the man and the and the woman. 
the and the woman because they have brought because so shall thou put away evil from Israel. Second type of lust that God is against is you lusting after somebody who is married to somebody else. Both you and the woman. Woman, if you back to lusting after somebody who is not your husband. If you do not lust against, if you lusting against some, if you are lusting on somebody who you are not married to, that lust is where, that lust is sinful. That lust is sinful. If a damsel that is a virgin is betrothed to her husband and finds her in the city and lies with her, then ye shall come and then ye shall then ye shall brought them brought them both out unto the gates of the city and ye shall stone them with stones. The damsel because she cried out not, and the man because he hath humbled he has humbled his neighbor's wife. Same thing, lasting after somebody who is married to somebody else. And women, he says that the damsel is stoned because she did not cry out, which means that she did not cry out saying that he raped her. Okay. But if a man is betrothed to a damsel in the field and the man and the man force her to lie with her, then the man only shall be put to death. Meaning that this is ra- this is a rapey last. Where you're like, okay, I'm going to get her no matter what. Even if she says, no, I'm still going to get her and I'm going to pursue her. This is a rapey last. And that's the last that God is against. But unto the damsel nothing shall come to her. There is no sin in the damsel worthy of death. Meaning that you're innocent. <laughs> Why should you be stoned if you're, in- if you're an innocent soul? For he found her in the field and betrothed the damsel. And the damsel cried. And there was no one to save her. That's very sad. If a man finds a damsel is a virgin and is not betrothed to her and lay on her and lay with her and they are found, the man shall give unto the damsel's father 50 shackles of silver and he shall be a wife. And because he hath humbled her, he may not be put away. He may not put her away all his days. The only lust, the only lust that God accepts is the last that will go unto marriage. Here's the thing is that sex before marriage is not ideal because you, there is no commitment between the man and the woman. That's what God wants. God wants you not to overindulge in your into your sexual desires because he wants because he wants what's best for you. And here's the thing is that if you're constantly going from one partner to another partner to another partner, you are, in, you are bringing in a lot that you do not, that you have not bargained for. You're bringing in, un, you're bringing in unwanted children. And I hate it when people bring children into this matter, where you find children in toilets, where you find people wanting to get abortions. Innocent lives die when people have sex without commitment. The second thing is diseases. It's not healthy to be sleeping around. Whether or not you use a condom, it's it's not healthy. Don't sleep around. It's disgusting. You don't know what you what you, you don't know what who has. Okay. Saw ties. Why do you want to be tied to a saw that you have, that you are not committed to? There is a lot of reasons why you should have only one partner. And a lot of them are for your health. 
It's like the way God allows us to drink alcohol, but he restricts us not to get drunk because he knows that nonsense happens when people get drunk. If you're not lasting with a desire to get married, leave the person alone. That's healthy lust. Like you are desiring this person in a sexual way. But then you're adding the commitment to that person. And you're going to and you're going to and that that commitment and that love and that desire will be used beautifully to make love and not to have sex. Animals have sex. People make love. There is a difference. So then, if... So then, if you lust with the intention of actually wanting to marry somebody... Because sometimes our lust... We get confused by our lust. We see a very pretty girl and... No offense, no offense, but in my experience, a lot of the pretty girls that I've met are very boring. Like the girls with the glasses, the girls who are flat-chested, the girls who I wouldn't necessarily find attractive are the people that I have the best time with. A lot of pretty girls I've met are super boring. Maybe because I do not know them in in that way. But if you have, if you see a, a if you see a two girl group, they attract this the attractive one and the fun one. Obviously, there are exceptions to that rule, and I'm not saying, and I'm not generalizing it. But in my experience, I've I'm yet to find a well, outside of my girlfriend who is both pretty and fun. Well, she 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 doesn't talk a lot, but she laughs a lot. I love I love I love girls who laugh a lot. Oh my goodness, that's the most attractive trait to me. Like I hate stuck up. I love girls that just laugh. Like they're just having the time of their life laughing, and, and, and you're just there, like feeling their energy. I know that's a very new world thing to say, but you're just there feeling their energy, and you're just you're just having a good time with them. Like that's my favorite. That's my favorite type of girl. A girl who laughs. A girl who can carry a conversation and a girl who has just who has a fascinating mind. That will even make me want to last after you, to be honest. That is that is okay, yes, the outer shell is what will drive me to you, but what is inside you is what will keep me. My girlfriend laughs a lot. And it doesn't take much to make her laugh. At least on my part, it doesn't take much to make her laugh. And she's, she's just there laughing and laughing. And when she's laughing, I feel good in my spirit because I have done my job. She asks very bizarre questions sometimes, but I love bizarre girls. And, But if your lasting is not intentional, then it's a sin. Here's the thing. When it comes to masturbation, and I just wanted to give an overview before actually speaking about masturbation, is that, oh, lastly, oh my goodness, lastly, there is what is known as the sin of onan. That is where people have the definitive declaration of, of masturbation. Let me go there really quickly. It's number one, it's not talked about in the sexual restrictions that God has given. Number two, 
it is not a vehicle for lust. Because you can lust and it can be good if it takes you to the marriage altar. Number oh, and let's now go to the let's now go to Onan. Genesis thirty eight, eight to ten. And Judah said unto his son, Go into thy brother's wife. Okay, context is that Judah had a son who died, and so Judah offered the second bond to the wife of his brother. In the sense that to give his brother a son, an heir, and then to continue and to then to take her as a wife. That is the basic context. That's what they do. Even in Africa, we do this, is that if you if your brother is sterile, you can sleep with his wife and give them a child. Um, but here it happens after the person has died. In, in, what's this, in, in the Bible, it happened after the person had died. This was what was called a deliberate marriage. And so Onan was like, oh, okay, I will marry my brother's wife in order to give him an heir. And so then Judah said unto Onan, Go into, thy, go into thy brother's wife and marry her and raise up a seed to thy brother. And Onan knew that the seed should not be his. And it came to pass that when he went in to his brother's wife, he spilt his semen, lest he should give his seed to his brother. And the thing he did displeased God, and God slew him. This does not talk about masturbation. Secondly, does not say that withdrawal method is against God's will. What was against God's will was Onan not wanting to give his brother an heir. Here's the thing is that Onan was sleeping with Tamar. Tamar, I do not know, but he was sleeping with Tamar. And, and each time it came for him to ejaculate, he spelt his seed because he did not want to give his brother an heir. Not that he was there jerking off. Is that appropriate to say? Not that he was there masturbating and um, whilst he was masturbating. Okay, that's wrong. Secondly, does not does not make the withdrawal method wrong. If you feel you don't want to have children at a particular point, you can use the withdrawal method. It's not bad. What is bad is what Onan did at not wanting to give his brother an heir because he was acting selfishly. Okay, so let's talk about masturbation. Here's a general principle. If it's not in the Bible, ask yourself if it's beneficial to you. Pros of masturbation. I hear that it makes penises bigger. Bigger. It could. I do not know. I don't know if there is conclusive science on that. Second pro is that it prevents prostate cancer. And again, with that, the, the science is not conclusive. Because some, if, because if you go to your urologist and you say that, well, I masturbate because I'm trying to prevent colon, I'm trying to prevent prostate cancer, they would not really understand what you're talking about. They'll be like, They will not really understand what you're talking about. They'll be like, oh, okay, prostate cancer. Okay, that's interesting. We do not know what, we, we, we have not heard of that. Cons of masturbation. Whatever, you desensitize yourself. If you're masturbating without having, without actually, without actually having sex, you, de you desensitize yourself to, especially if you're a guy, you desensitize yourself to a woman. Because you 
are creating neural pathways with your brain that need to be broken down and need to be remade. Con number two, masturbation will lead you to addiction. That's just a general fact. Because of the, because of the dopamine in your brain, it will keep you from one, it will make you want more. And if you, if you reach a point where you are a slave to something, especially as a Christian, then you should not do it. Number four, it leads to instant gratification. I spoke about this in my first few episodes. But here's the thing is that for the most part, sex is a reward and not something that should be taken for granted. It's just a shame that our culture has killed the meaning of sex. But sex is something that is earned, if you understand my drift. Because just look at the marriage process. It's a very long process. And if you're a Christian, there's first the courtship process where you're not doing anything. And it's you learning to master your desires. Here's a fact. You know a poor man because a poor man never masters his desires. So I will continue talking about masturbation in part four, in part three of Sex 101. But for now, just go with this. And then in the next episode, we will talk about porn and masturbation. Thank you.